Hi, this is Louis Canio. Welcome to the Doctor and Dad podcast. This fast-paced weekly podcast delves into the latest scientific findings on how we can all live longer and better lives. I'm the dad, and my daughter, Nicole, is a family medicine doc who trained at the renowned Cleveland Clinic. We hope you enjoy this short, informative show, and please be sure to visit thedoctorandad.com. Uh, and by the way, the doctor is abbreviated in that. So it's T-H-E-D-R-A-N-D-D-A-D.com for the show notes um, and other resources to help you learn about extending your health span. Within the notes, you'll find links to a bunch of stuff we discussed. So be sure to check it out. And thanks for listening. Hi, doctor. Hi, dad. So we were going to uh, have this podcast cover uh, a topic that we had talked about a couple of podcasts ago um, when we were talking about, boy, I can't even remember, but this one was going to be on NAD uh, because we were talking about, oh, it was a follow-up to uh, that book Lifespan That's that, we, re- that yeah. we did the uh, review. Yeah. Um, and uh, we kind of preempted that last week to talk about the coronavirus because obviously that was in the news. And boy, what a difference a week makes. Yeah, it's almost like you can forget a lot of what we said <laughs> in the last one. So we just well, not t- really forget it. It's just it has expanded so much before it was a question of will it come to the United States? And it has quickly become more of a it's here and it will certainly infect people everywhere. So that's a big change from what we talked about. I think last week we were saying it's, you know, at some point we're going to have some of it here. Now it's here. We had no idea what the, uh, kind of what the impact would be. No idea. And other countries too. Like now it's everywhere except for Antarctica. Um, every continent, every continent and, and like the number of countries over the past 72 hours that have, um, positive cases has, like grown exponentially and Teddy's here too. <laughs> and as usual, Teddy is joining us. Yes. And by, by the way, I should say we're doing this live from Omaha, Nebraska, which as we discussed last week has the only federal quarantine facility in the U S where I think uh, there were 13 or so uh, patients at last count who had come Primarily, or maybe uh, in full from that yes. cruise ship in Japan that had been quarantined. Right. So I think as of last week, what we had said was um, the people in the, in the United States with coronavirus were all from the cruise ship, except for someone in Illinois who had gotten it from travel to China. So all, all of them were cases that someone were Someone in tied. Northern California, I think. But that was maybe about it. May, uh, someone uh, from Washington State. Also did. associated with travel. Yep. All associated with travel. And they could link it to someone who, right, either they had traveled to China or they had come in contact with someone who had traveled to China. Actually, um, but now the big it's... change now is uh, community uh, transmission. So people are getting it now who don't have any known contact with the cases that are positive in the United States and no travel to places where um, the virus has been seen and tested. So that is t- 
telling us that there's community transmission, meaning these people are just picking it up somewhere, which is what's happening everywhere. And it was only honestly a matter of time before that started here. Um, because if you have if you have a disease like this that is transmissible by droplet, generally human yeah, general human contact droplet, right. as opposed to let's say Ebola, right, where you've got to have transmission of bodily pretty fluids. significant pretty significant um, contact with a fair amount of like secretions or this, HIV would would fall yes. into that category right. generally. But this is more like the common cold or the flu. So you, you know how that passes around in your family, in your workplace, in a daycare. Um, it's just, it's hard to prevent because you have to, you know, pretty much be super diligent with hand washing and covering, you know, covering your mouth, but you know, coughing, sneezing into your sleeve, wearing a mask, all this stuff, because it's not quote unquote airborne where it's like you can't breathe it into the air and have it stick around in the air, be but a it's in a droplet, so. but people don't all always understand that that droplet in a sneeze, even if you're partially covering your sneeze, the still the like number of millions of, you know, particles. droplet particle droplets well, and micro droplet particles right. at that. So it kind of is like air, it's like it's airborne. In a sense. Um, but it's not like if, oh, if I'm in um, New York City, I'm not going to catch it from somebody. Um, from walking through yeah. Grand Central Station and breathing the same air. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's why it's, it's inev it was inevitable that it was going to be spreading. Because if you think about these countries, especially in China, when it first started, we didn't know what it was. So there's still people traveling to and from here and there, you know, and I think it was, you can, you can trace one person, you know, it, one person from China needed to travel from there before we knew that it was going on, right. get infected with it, whether it's mild illness or not, they come in contact with four people who are transmitted to four people in, in all of their you know, travels. travels. Yeah which is not that many people, but plenty of people to go on and infect another, another four bunch. or more. Yeah. So that's why, and we don't know where all these people had gone who were previously in Italy and China, you know, before we knew about In our modern day society, it's impossible to ultimately tra uh, track all of that. What I have heard is that the really draconian measures that China put in place, like you had to have a special voucher to leave your house, and um, for the to most part, it. people were getting food delivered, and I mean things that we couldn't do. Yeah, tough to tough to put in place in a sort of uh, quote unquote free society. Right. Uh, and even so, and but to that to their credit, in China, it has seemed to stem the spread of the virus because their numbers of new cases have yep. declined to some extent. Yep. So what they're doing is working, but like you said, I can't even imagine anything like that happening here. And a lot of that is like what I'm sure people have read, but you know, that's the same reason why people who get have the flu or who are sick, you have a fever, cough, whatever, you should stay home until you've been fever free for 24 hours and your cough is, you know, Mild. To, to, mild to the point where you can control it and whatever um but people don't do that because they don't have the paid time off to do that um right. or they don't have the child care to be able to you know 
Whatever. keep their kids home from school. So in our country, which is different than some of the other countries, we we just don't stay home when we're sick, which is interesting. Um, and that's going to, you know, cause... And we tend to be a lot more mobile than other countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, the I think, you know, the question in China is still open as they, because I've, I've heard that they, you know, the reopening factories and, and allowing workers to go back to work in some of the provinces that were... Um, not so uh, affected by this, but will they have a resurgence of cases as they loosen up some of those really, um, some of those really restrictive right. types of uh, rules? Because there's still a lot of things that we don't know. We don't know exactly when you can transmit it in your course of illness so it seems like you can definitely transmit it when you're mildly symptomatic probably when you're not symptomatic at all and then then the other question is that that true for the flu by the way is it can you transmit the flu if you're non-symptomatic yeah Yeah. and that's the case with most viruses because to to some degree and and even bacterial infections there's some of it there yeah so there's what's called an incubation period where you get you come in contact with whatever the pathogen is and then the incubation period is how long it takes for you, for it to cause illness and that is basically just the virus building up in your in body your system yeah. to to where then it manifests with symptoms so during all that time it's kind of in your body once it gets to a certain you know a certain point that then you can transmit it and almost with most pathogens there's going to be a time frame where you're not symptomatic where you can pass it around that's why Whenever I see people, <clears throat> like someone, someone's kid has strep, tested positive for strep, I will give any member of their family antibiotics without having to test them, uh, you know, for the most part, unless it's a baby, um, without testing them because it is almost impossible to prevent household transmission because you may have, one, already spread it, or two, you know, all it takes is a small amount of interaction with someone to to get infected so just like all of those things that usually just cause a little bit of downtime with a common cold or even the flu um this is transmitted like that but with a much higher fatality rate than these other viruses and that fatality rate is is one of the things that really concerns if this was just another strain so to speak of seasonal influenza um, with uh, seasonal influenza's, let's say, less than 0.1% fatality rate, then it would be less concerning. Um, so what, what's, the, what's the latest read on the fatality rate for the coronavirus? I think it's just about 3,000. Well, the total fatalities. Total fatalities. Out of 87,000 cases, which would indicate a fatality rate of 3%. However... The supposition is we've had a lot more actual cases, so right. we're 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 better at counting people who die from coronavirus than people who get coronavirus because if it's a mild case of it, uh, they're not being tested, so it can't be confirmed. Right? Would that be would yeah. that be true? Yes. That's... So I've seen estimates. I've never seen. I haven't seen an estimate as high as. Three percent, but I've seen estimates maybe as high as two and a half percent. Yeah, it seems like it's probably around two or two and a half percent from what from the information we have now. Versus... But I've also seen them as low as one percent. 
Yeah, overall. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I, it I think changes it's, day to day because the numbers change exactly. significantly. That what it's because like in the end, it's simple math. You have got right. a, a numerator and a denominator, and I always get that mixed up. By the way, <laughs> which is a number on, on top. <laughs> okay, denominator's on the bottom. Thank you for that. Um, but so. Uh, yep. So it. it, it compared to the compared, but to it, but it's not likely which, to be that this is no more fatal than regular influenza. No, this definitely is definitely more. more. Right. So the flu is about 0.1. And then this is going to be somewhere between, probably we'll just say on average 2%. So the difference between 0.1% and 2% is very significant. Um, still, you, times. Have a, yeah. you have a 98% chance of being fine. But compared to the flu, which we do make a big deal about, um, 2% versus 0.1% is, you know, it's a, it's a big jump. Now, what the studies are showing and everything is kind of in flux day to day, but for the most part, over the age of 80, that number is about 14%. Oh, really? Yes. So it's very age-dependent. It's age-dependent and medical... Comorbidity. Dependent. In other words, if something else is wrong yeah. with you. The majority of people who are you know, dying from coronavirus are 65 and older or 50 and older with medical problems, otherwise unhealthy. Um, so when it comes down to, you know, someone in their thirties, forties, it's probably closer to like 0.1 or 0.2. Potentially, but that young doctor in China. But there so, are people who. And healthcare workers are particularly at risk. Right, I, because of their I'm exposure, right. but. Because they're exposed to heavier amounts of the virus. Is that. I, that is I, I read true. that someplace. I can't, but. I can't say for sure because I'm not. I'm not sure exactly what that, what those studies would yeah, show as yeah. far as the amount that you get. Because I don't know if the ex, the amount of exposure plays a role. I mean, maybe it does. But regardless, even the flu kills otherwise completely healthy young people every year. Anyway, so right. So a lot of that is is with the flu. And I have to imagine it's the same for the coronavirus. For the young people who are otherwise healthy, what happens is they kind of an overabundance of an immune response. So it's kind of a systemic inflammation. And then um, that inflammation is also seen with a viral pneumonia. And what we're seeing with this is like interstitial pneumonias. And that is then causing fluid in the lungs. And that is what people are dying from if you're going to have a severe course. So some people, even young healthy people, are getting this you know, response to these viruses and you can't always, for, for some reason, a reason, why, the reason why this right. person is getting it bad and the other person's not, it doesn't necessarily mean anything with your age or your medical comorbidities. But for the most part, <laughs> for the most part, younger, healthier people are going to, are doing better. For whatever reason, females are doing a little bit better and kids that's the part that that's the from. one silver lining to this story, <laughs> yes, huh? Is that for influenza, kids, especially so infants, babies who are too young to be immunized, you can't be immunized till you're six months, um, and then kids under the age of three in general, and then it even bumps up to under the age of five are really susceptible to um, kind of a more severe illness with influenza. So we worry about the kids. A lot of kids do unfortunately die from influenza every year. 
and I still don't think there has been one patient under the age of nine who has died from coronavirus. And from what I recently read, the next age group is like 10 to 20, and there was like one person who had died. So for whatever reason, and I think that's one of the most interesting parts of this, is the kids and the younger people are not, they're not as severely yeah. affected by it. Um, and it kind of goes against everything else that we, that I know, at least with infections, because usually they have an underdeveloped immune system and their immune systems haven't seen any of these things. So that's why they get mm-hmm. sick. But mm-hmm. with the coronavirus, they're just not. But this all sounds terrible and scary and whatever, but I think to you know, keep it still in perspective, if you were to get coronavirus, 80% of these cases are very mild. <clears throat> and you might not even know that you have coronavirus. It might just seem like another cold. Bad cold yeah. or the f- f- case of the flu because you do get some or, flu in Or some just a mild cold. Right. <clears throat> there are people who don't even know that they... They had it. Yeah. yeah. So it's tough. I, I even go back and forth with being like, oh, this is really scary and serious to them being like... Well, that's the... But that's it's probably going to be okay. That's kind of the but, question I think that everyone's trying to figure out, including the stock market, let's right. say, who... Kind of obviously um, t- took a turn for for the worse last week and um, and but but the you know the the business impacts and societal impacts kind of are are somewhat let's say easier to see to some extent because we're already seeing um, you know less travel and right. manufacturing uh, facilities shut down and and the impact of um, supplies not being available out of China. Right, which that's another interesting part of it too is there's we get a lot of our medications from China. So there's concern about that. Sure, as there's well. already and they won't disclose what they are. There's 20 medications that the FDA they're they're watching because they're at high risk of becoming supply disruptions. Short because they're primarily manufactured or ingredients manufactured in China. And they and won't disclose? No, which they, won't, they don't disclose the medication. There's one that is now in short supply. But the, the, we don't know what it is. Probably to not cause like right. mayhem. Right. They said that it was a medication oh, that there are other to not alternatives. Cause hoarding. Exactly. Like you get exactly. with masks. Exactly. <laughs> right. And hand so sanitizer. Like, oh, we have right. a shortage of amoxicillin and i have literally i have no idea what the medication could be but um and then everyone starts freaking out and trying to get it or you know right um or hysteria but what they said that um this is a medication that has alternatives so it's not like it's insulin where so many people need right. insulin to survive and there is no alternative but well and typically those uh well actually i don't know this but i assume that that a lot of those medications that are coming from China are generics, let's say. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, um, but we can we can presume. And yeah, so, the mask business. The mask business is funny, um, because really the what people are buying masks, and I I, I don't know that it's nece- it's a bad idea unless having that mask on your face causes you to touch your face more, um, which in some for some people it could. But the masks that everyone's walking around with, for the most part, are just like your basic kind of like surgical mask. And it is not going to block out 
the virus. The virus is too small. The masks are not. You can just see it on people. They're like at a open. minimum. The the minimum effective one is like an N95. Right, which so, blocks ninety five percent of right, but it, ones, but so. it won't right. So it will do a good job at um, decreasing your risk of transmission. But the actual virus size of coronavirus is smaller than the pore size of these masks. So the virus size itself can get through, but most of it's traveling through a droplet, and the droplet is oh, bigger gotcha. than, than that size. the pore size. But still, but it's, it's no, not so perfect. It's, it's not perfect. But that's and, what everyone's buying. And you, to, to, to really be effective with those masks, you've got to change them out several times a day at a minimum. You should. Um, there are some reports saying that you know you can use it keep it on and use it as long as it's correctly fit and it doesn't get damp or you know whatever then you can use it for and that's i think what's being recommended is to use it for a little bit longer. multiple but days there's a lot of things that we just don't know because we are clearly not as prepared as we thought we were there's there's a lot of questions from physicians all over the country right now who are in primary practice who are about to start seeing be on the front lines potential of this patients yeah. with coronavirus and we don't have even clear, super clear instructions as to how to protect, you know, ourselves and the healthcare workers in the clinic and what exactly even to do with these patients when they come in. Does everyone need to get tested or do you just send the mild cases home and tell them to go to the emergency room if they get short of breath? Do you test everybody who you think could have it? Do you wear, you know, all this protective equipment, you know, stuff for yourself? Do you put them all in negative pressure rooms, which most people don't have? So we are clearly... Unprepared. unprepared and that's you know um there's there's a group of people i don't know how large it is who are saying i told you so at, yes at this oh point. absolutely because i've heard that of this that you know this this kind of general statement that we are unprepared for a yes. pandemic yes of, uh, of this type and this isn't even a worst case pandemic worst right. case would be something that it kills Something that infects a, like this and kills like Ebola. The Spanish flu. Or the like, Spanish flu. Yes. Well, Ebola would be catastrophic. Correct. But even Spanish flu yep. was, I think, as much as 10% right. fatality rate. Right. So we're much, this is fortunately better, nicer. Low, better but still, it's going, to, it's going to test healthcare. our healthcare and infrastructure. It's interesting, too, because all of the hospitals in the country are for, for profit. So it, they're all businesses, and businesses, it makes money by having beds filled. Well, and to, be, to be clear, though, not all profit hospitals are for-profit. There's not-for-profit hospitals like yours. But they're still systems. making profit. But they're I, still... No, I don't mean profit a, and non-profit. There's, right, there's still are, a financial incentive Correct, at the that's what I mean. It. I don't mean profit and non-profit. But I'm, they're, they are all businesses, yeah. all of them. Yeah. All of them are making money. Well, they money. have to, otherwise correct. they probably couldn't be. In, yes, but that means function. that you can't have a hospital half full so you have to like there's a <clears throat> there's a kind of fine line between like your ICU beds and all this stuff and how many admissions you take and you know so uh, so our hospitals are run to make a, a profit <clears throat> and they don't have excess capacity exactly they have some but not a lot so if you have all these patients who are otherwise in the ICU for other reasons and then you have all these other people coming in who are in respiratory distress because of coronavirus. And that's the scary thing. Because <clears throat> exactly. um, I, I listened to, and I forget his name now, a researcher from Harvard on this podcast this, this week. 
um, who knew what he was talking about. Um, he is a, an infectious disease expert, epidemiologist, um, and and is is you know one of the one of the people behind these mathematical models of okay, what will this look like? And his numbers were that ultimately 40 to 70 percent of adults, because we talked about it has less of an impact on children, mm -hmm. 40 to 70 percent of adults, so call 50 percent, you know, as a, as a general average, um, will be infected. Uh, and um, so if, if 50 percent are infected mm -hmm. and 20 percent of those cases become severe, or even less than that. Let's say let's say five percent becomes severe. Right. So you have in the U.S. you might have two hundred million ad adults. I'm just kind of yep. ballparking this. So fifty percent is a hundred million become infected, and out of that hundred million, five percent are serious and have to be hospitalized. That's mm -hmm. five million additional hospital <clears throat> patients. There's no way which we don't have. So that means people who aren't critical are going to get. Discharge and we already discharge people from the hospital pretty darn quickly. quickly. The days of you staying in the but hospital. But if you need if you need ventilation, oh, you need so to be hospitalized. Different. Correct. Well, that's different if you're on a ventilator. But even still, there's plenty of people who are in the hospital not on a ventilator who should be yeah. in the hospital. Yeah. So and we should say before people freak out. There's still, all the people listening. To this. There's still <laughs> a lot not known. Yes. So it may turn out if, to so be. Not as bad. Relatively mild and a treatable. A, a one to two percent, you know, potential fatality, fatality rate. rate, but but not as communicable. Maybe and and maybe some of the the uh, the things that we do to right. to because limit transmissibility. Whereas can these be like affected. China didn't know what they had until they knew what they had. And then we know. What's, what's coming, coming or what is yeah. brewing so people start to work from home that limits it people are a little bit more careful with everything that they do they get sick they self-quarantine the other thing and thing. i'm not an expert but i can almost guarantee that the fatality rate is um is over stated stated yeah. because yeah. you don't you can't like with the flu we, I, we swab everyone oh you got a fever and a cough yeah seem a little bit sick I'm just gonna swab you if you you know sometimes I with somebody I would want to know because he you'd be somebody I'd put on a medication for like Tamiflu so okay we'll just swab you um it's easy to do a swab and check for the flu but not everyone is getting tested for coronavirus right. so in the United States even in the other countries it's not like everyone with a cough and a fever is getting tested for it so there are, I am certain, a lot of people with mild illness who aren't even seeking any medical attention, who think they probably just have a cold, who actually have coronavirus, who are not getting put into that denominator, and right. that's causing the right. it to be higher. Be but, higher. but it's still more severe than, than yeah. ordinary influence in any, in any yeah. event. So It's still new. It's still, still a lot of things that we don't know. But at the end of the day, the single most important thing you can do to prevent, well, I guess there's two things. One would be hand washing, frequent hand frequent. washing, frequent hand washing. For like, what's what's it like? Because I I wash my hands, but the reality is, my average hand washing time is probably like seven seconds. Right. 
Do you have to sing what the happy birthday song? So it's like thirty seconds. Thirty seconds, yeah. Um, and if you, but if you don't, but it's still better than nothing. If you're doing it quickly, it's better than not doing it at all. And hand sanitizer, so the gel. And stuff then don't works. touch your face. Not touching. Well, so it's hand washing for one and two, staying away from sick people. Yeah. So, um, those are the two most important things. Don't touch your face. I think we touch our face an average of like 20 times an hour at, at a minimum. Yeah. Um, so try really hard not to touch your face. Um, and that's about it. That's about it. Yeah. Um, but really frequent hand washing really does work. It is the number one thing you can do. So get on it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I sense this may not be our last coronavirus <laughs> update, but I promise the next podcast will not be on coronavirus. We're going to get back to the NAD and how to increase our health spans. But right. in order, to, I guess, in order to increase your health span, first you have to Survive be alive. Exactly. Yeah. So, yes. with that, uh, thank you, Teddy, for joining us for this podcast. We look forward to doing another one with you soon, and you've been such a good boy. So, thanks for listening, folks, and uh, be careful out there. Wash your hands. Thanks again for listening. You can visit the doctorandad.com. That's spelled T H E D R A N D D A D.com for show notes to any of our podcasts, as well as other useful info on extending health span. Now, the legal disclaimer this podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. And no doctor-patient relationship is formed. Use of this information in show notes is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Listeners should not, should not disregard or delay taking medical advice or treatment for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their medical professional for any such conditions. We also want you to know that we take no funding from any product or service that may be mentioned on the Doctor and Dad podcast.